So, church-wide community need-based ministries in every local church. Now, the key in every one of these, the key, and I would ask you as you're thinking about, okay, I want to take what I'm learning here in Emmanuel, and I want to go back to the local church, and I want to see my local church move and grow. Okay, This is just a simple way for you to know five areas that you can focus on. All right, um, And the key in each of these is the adjective. Okay, Because if you look at community need-based ministries, you can probably think of community need-based ministries that you have in your church. But the adjective says church-wide. So we're not talking about a few people or whatever. We're talking about ways that you can impact the entire community and ways that your whole church can be involved, even if you, you know, you may not impact your entire community uh, if you're a small church or what have you, but if you can all be involved in impacting the community. So some people might be involved in health ministry or what have you, but there are things you can do, community projects you can do, going to civic leaders and finding out what the needs are in the community. Thinking about types of educational classes you can do, whether it's finance or parenting or what have you. All of those things are ways to just get interaction with community. Um, we are actually in the General Conference working on a health and community outreach guide. And that will be for the purpose of being local church uh, instruction on how to do various different types of uh, health events and various different types of community outreach. So it'll give you all the steps. So if you're a health leader, how to do a health expo, how to do a cooking school, how to do, you know, how to do one-day events, how to do monthly events, how to do multi-day events, the different programs that are available, all that kind of stuff. And then it'll have the same thing for community outreach guides, how to do this type of community program, this type of community program, giving you ideas for what you can do to get the entire church involved. Um, my conviction is that, okay, let me say a couple things. Number one, the title of this session is Training Center Churches. And here in Michigan, we've for a long time talked about the need to fulfill the, uh, the instruction of Ellen White, where she says that every church should be a training school for Christian workers. Every church should be a training school for Christian workers. This is one of the reasons that on the GROW website, which is not up yet, but it will be up in a couple weeks, uh, grow.adventist.org. On that website, we, we're going to be eventually um, putting training videos uh, that will be like three to five minute personal ministries training videos. You're going to see some familiar faces on there because I'm collaborating with Mark and Cameron and flying them out to the GC and we're going to go into the Hope Channel studio and we're going to create a ton of three to five minute personal ministries training videos. With each one, we're going to have a little training guide. So like a one page training guide. And you know the primary place we want you to use them in is? Sabbath school. So we have a burden that 
If every church would be a training school, we do already have something called school at church. It's a Sabbath school, and the pillars of the Sabbath school... Who here knows the four pillars of Sabbath school? Just curious if anybody knows. That's what I usually get. So, you have Bible study, okay, or Bible study and prayer, however you want to go with it. You have fellowship, you have world mission, and you have community outreach. We summarize it through our department in three areas, Bible study and prayer, fellowship, and mission. And under mission, you have both world mission and community outreach, okay? We have always said Sabbath school, that's a big part of Sabbath school, is the mission. But the reality is most of our Sabbath schools are trending toward just having the study time. And what's happening is we're losing the connection with the world church. And we're losing the, the opportunity for local mission types of emphasis. Here's what often happens. We have a Sabbath school program that begins at 9.30 and, or 9.15 or whatever it is. And it starts with, there's different names we use for it. The preliminary program. What does preliminary program suggest to you? <laughs> Who needs to be there? It's not the actual program, it's the preliminary program. The superintendent remarks. What does that communicate to you? I don't really need to hear what the superintendent's remarks are, right? Um, and that's what it has become. In most cases, um, you have a song or whatever, you assign a few people to it, and they do a program. They might do a devotional thought. They might, uh, they might share a mission story or something sometimes. But by and large, um, it's kind of another mini program sermonette, if you will. What we would like to do is not as many churches do is getting rid of that and just let's just skip it all together and go to class. Do that and you lose a big part of what Sabbath school has always been in the Seventh-day Adventist church. So instead, let's recover some things. Um, number one, let's recover mission spotlight. <laughs> I may be a you know, old school kind of guy, but I loved mission spotlight. Even as a younger person, I loved mission spotlight. And they used to have that deep voice guy, this is Mission Spot. I, we, we need a deep voice guy back, but I've got to talk to the Adventist Mission Department about that. But anyway, they do, however, develop uh, and send out to every local church a DVD that has uh, spots. And they have, they have monthly ones that are longer, like 10 to 12 minutes, but they also have weekly ones. And you could play a three to five minute video every week. That's our recommendation. If you don't play it every week, then you need to have a world mission uh, emphasis or story or something. She's got the DVD on her. That emphasis or story, you need to have that for that five minutes. How long did I say? Five minutes. 17 minutes? Five. 13 minutes? Yeah, five minutes. That's what you get. Okay? So there's your five minutes, okay? And then, but that's world mission. Isn't one of the pillars community outreach? What does Sabbath school have to do with that? So community outreach has to do with the local church and what it's doing, right? So um, let, me, let me give you a, a place to go visit. You go to 
Is it, I don't know where Cameron went to, but I think it's kzoosda.org, whatever the Kalamazoo Seventh Avenue Church's website is. And Cameron, for some time as a local church pastor, goes along wherever the church is doing a ministry. He might, it might be at prayer meeting, and he takes his iPhone and he does a little video interview of somebody who has regularly attended and been blessed by prayer meeting. He goes along with the students to a field trip that they go on, and he films what they're doing, and then he interviews one of the kids on the experience they had sharing with the people at the such and such place. Um, he goes to the fair booth, and he interviews the people who are... You know, most of the things that happen in your church, you're not at. Or, or a lot of people are not at. And so what it does is, he shows those every Sabbath. And he shows something, a ministry that's happening in the local church. His local church, every Sabbath. Testimonies, every Sabbath. Now you may not be able, to, you are able, but nobody might, you might not do it, but you can at least bring up somebody and have a short interview about a community outreach that the local church is doing or is planning to do. Do you know how long you should probably take to do that? Three to five minutes. Then, since it's Sabbath school, why not have personal ministries training right in Sabbath school? And that's what our recommendation is, and that's why we're creating three to five minute videos that will go on the GROW website, but that Sabbath schools can go and they will have uh, printable little guides that they can put in the bulletin, and everybody who comes in, they get to that part of the program, and boom, they've got it right there. It's got three key points of something they're learning with personal ministries training, and they right there are getting training every week in Sabbath school. And if you wanted to take a week off from the video and have your own personal ministry spot that you're doing, whatever it is, do you know what we've done in a lot of places? It's because people don't attend Sabbath school, we've taken all the good stuff out of Sabbath school, and we put it in the worship service. So we put personal ministries in the worship service, which I understand why we do it. We, uh, we oftentimes, um, you know, I've got this thought, we, we've been talking about this, wouldn't it be great to have like baptism in Sabbath school? Or like really the good stuff and where people actually come and are like, Wait, what, what are you talking about when that happened? Oh, it was in Sabbath school. What? And where people like miss Sabbath school. Why are we trying to drain Sabbath school of everything good and stuff it in the worship service, which is bloated, by the way, and goes too long and has all this stuff in it, wouldn't it be great? So our thought is that we recover what we refer to as not the preliminary program, not the superintendent remarks, but the mission program. And you have a 15-minute mission program every Sabbath that has five minutes of world mission, five minutes of community outreach, and five minutes of personal ministries training. So just giving you a little idea. And then when you get to, by the way, the class program, in the class program, it's not just study your lesson, but every class should have a mission project. And so whether that's, okay, this quarter we're going to have a goal for distributing this many GLOW tracks, or this quarter we're going to sponsor going to the nursing home these Sabbaths or whatever. But every class has some mission project, and they spend the first 10 minutes of class before they study giving reports or, or organizing whatever they need to to continue on their mission project. And then, during the five-minute community outreach time, uh, many of those will be simply Sabbath schools reporting on stuff that they're doing as Sabbath schools. 
and Sabbath school will have an impact. Um, so we believe that Sabbath school and personal ministries are where the laity are most involved in the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And we need to build up both of these because they are both uh, experiencing some disease right now. And they need, they need a, a kickstart. So I just wanted you to be aware of where the videos that we're talking about, where they'll go. We, you can use them for Sabbath afternoon training and all kinds of things, but we're very hopeful that, uh, that you'll use them in Sabbath school. Okay, so that's your prepare goal. Now let me talk about the plant goal. Every local church, we would like to have active literature and media ministry. What is the key word in there again? It's the adjective, active. Because every church has a literature and media ministry, right? I mean, you have some glow tracks hanging on the wall. Um, you've got other magazines on, out there, right? Adventist World, Mission 360. But they're all Adventist periodicals. The idea is of this is that you build up a, a, an inventory of truth-filled literature, the kind that you would share with people who don't know the truth. So this is soul-winning literature ministry. Okay? So the other thing about active is we're not just talking about, um, you know, we have in the World Church Impact Day, which is a fantastic initiative. It's once a year in April where the whole World Church is, uh, is encouraged to distribute the Missionary Book of the Year. I think you should get involved in that. But we're not talking about once a year literature distribution. <laughs> we're talking about what if it became a habit for every person who attended church to be taking some literature every week when they went to church. Now, why would they take some literature when they went to church? Because they need it to distribute during the week. Most of it might be in the form of tracts that can be easily you know, distributed or left around, but you may need a couple pocketbooks. You may, whatever it might be. And when I would go into a, uh, a church, and Ellen knows this, we would talk to the board about literature. And usually it meant two to three thousand dollars a year. And we would, not in Onaway, <laughs> you might not remember, but it was maybe a thousand, thousand dollars a year in Onaway. Small church, but we still, that's a lot of money for literature in a small church. And the idea is that you create a display that is both for visitors and members. So the visitors are taking, but the members are taking to share. And the, uh, the placement is very important. Because if you put it in a dark corner of the church, then it's just not going to get used. And in some churches, I've really had to wrestle because the foyer is so aesthetically beautiful that they don't want it to, you know, get cluttered up with an ugly literature rack. So do what I did. Find some good craftsman or someone to put a beautiful frame on it. Or, you know, I mean, you want to make it beautiful, make it beautiful. But make sure that you make it prominent. Because there's this certain rule that you live by in personal ministries. 
Out of sight? Out of mind. The church members, if you're not telling them and reminding them about it, they're not doing it. So much so that you put that beautiful literature display in a prominent place in the church that they walk by every Sabbath, and after a short while, they don't see it anymore. It's not even there. So what do you have to do? You need to, from the front, regularly have a regular process of promoting some piece of literature in your literature display. I would often, as a pastor, I would often do this while I was preaching. So, I'd like to read you a statement from a book called uh, Thoughts from the Mount of Blessing. And let me just say a little something. Early in my experience, I read a statement out of this that totally changed my life. This book is, is incredible, and if you didn't know it, we've got some free copies out in the foyer. By the time I got to the foyer to shake hands or whatever and turned around, they were all gone. Why? Just a little clear promotion. And, and they'll, they'll read them, or they'll share them, or they'll do whatever. But you don't say anything, and they're just thinking about other things. So one of the biggest things in personal ministries is you need ongoing, uh, ongoing, what Elder Gallimore would say, every time you walk by that wheel, give it a spin. <laughs> That's how Elder Gallimore said it. He was usually talking about tithe. <laughs> but I use it for literature. <laughs> anyway, and then we come to the cultivate goal, which is every local church needs to have a vibrant Bible study ministry. Now, what's the key word in there? Vibrant. vibrant. <laughs> because most every local church has a Bible study ministry, right? Because the pastor and the Bible worker and one or two, you know, gifted, eloquent lay people are giving Bible studies. But what we want is a vibrant Bible study ministry. And imperfect as it is, that has been the effort with the development of the system for BibleStudyOffer.com. Because here's what you want. You want a system where every member is involved in the Bible study ministry. You say, are you saying that every member can give Bible studies? Well, first, yes. <laughs> but I'm not saying that every member has to give a Bible study. There are different circumstances. There may be, you know different reasons why that might not be the right time or setting. But I will say this. Every member needs to be involved in Bible study ministry. Do you know that all you have to do to uh, help be part of the Bible study ministry is to get the BibleStudyOffer.com tracks and distribute them in places where you go so that you're getting the word out and you might find someone sign up for Bible studies from you. Or be the greeter in your church. You say, how does that help the Bible study ministry? I'll tell you how. Because in every local church, you should have a simple question memorized. Have you heard about our Bible school? So you meet them. They're a visitor, right? Oh, we're so glad you're here. We want to tell you about our Sabbath schools. Oh, and have you heard about our Bible school? Just a quick little, like, like almost like you just thought of it. It's just this, this oh, we have this exciting thing that, that, oh, you probably don't know about this, but... Have you heard about our Bible school? I don't think I have. Oh, here, let me give you something. Before you run off, let me give you something. Then you go and you grab the clear plastic bag. It's called an intro pack, right? And you go grab the intro pack. and It's got a card that tells them all about it where they can sign up online or leave the card there at the church, 
Very easy. And the first Bible study of, of, of a couple of series so that they know, they get a little sample of what they could get. And you give it to them. Hey, check it out. It tells you everything you know about it. But basically, you can sign up online and go through this whole Bible study series for free. One of them has DVDs. There's a sample of them in there. They're fantastic. And I actually am a study leader here with the Bible school. And if you wanted to, I'd be happy to go through it. Or you could go through it on your own. Anyway, here you go. I mean, how hard is that? That's not hard. So you want to be involved in the Bible study ministry? Be a greeter. Right? Anybody can offer Bible studies when it's that easy. And then maybe you'll actually give Bible studies. Or maybe you'll say, you know, I don't give Bible studies because I have the gift of hospitality. Well, I've got good news for you. The best study leaders are the ones with the gift of hospitality. <laughs> Isn't that fantastic? The reason is because when it comes to soul winning, your success has less to do with how well you are able to articulate. It has less to do with that than it has to do with your ability to find your way to the heart. You know how I know that? Because inspiration tells us that. Spirit of Prophecy says that very thing. And you know what else? I know that when you open up your home, and we have some members who just have that given, you're very kind and warm and what have you, that you have, you have basically brought down the defenses to the point where the truth, once the defenses come down, the truth will do the work. So much so that if you don't quite feel, if you're still nervous about it, then just pop in Pastor Doug. You know, if that's what you want, invite him over. You have the gift of hospitality, so you make a mean bowl of popcorn, right? Because that's what hospitality people know how to do. So make a mean bowl of popcorn and sit down and hand him the lesson and press play and just smile and listen. And when it's over, then you say, what do you think? And then, of course, they're going to share whatever, and you're going to talk, and you're going to build a relationship in your wonderful, hospitable way. I mean, you can do it. Gift of hospitality is wonderful, wonderful for Bible studies. And if you say, my gift is being cold and mean, <laughs> we can get you involved in correspondence Bible studies. <laughs> There's something for everyone. Something for everyone. Or you might just have, and this is a real need sometimes, maybe you have that friend who's a real good, uh, you know, real good at giving Bible studies. They just, you know, they can just knock down the 2,300 days and boom, and wow, people are clear, and you're like, how do they do that? I don't remember the text, whatever, and you're all worried. Maybe you have a nice, comfortable home. We have a great need in our churches for people who will host Bible studies, where you can invite people in and where, you know, you just provide a place where maybe you're not the one pushing play or whatever. Maybe there's a study leader that is going to do it, but you're going to make your home available for Bible studies. Whatever it is, everybody can do something in the Bible study ministry. That's a vibrant Bible study ministry. 
I'm not talking about the old Bible school where back in the corner closet we have a stack of lessons and one person knows about them and they're sending out cards and then they're doing the lessons but nobody else in the church is involved or knows what we're talking about. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about total member involvement in the Bible school. Every local church should be a Bible school. All right. Now, having said that, this is where I want to pause. Can we pause and, and, and you can keep that? We're, we're down to three goals, right? We need two more, right? You've got the three goals of the local church. We're going to pause, and I want to just uh, do a little bit with this. This handout that I gave you? Because the literature and Bible study ministry, there are just some people who are not convinced. Let me say it this way. As a personal ministry personal ministries leader in local in the local church for many years before I became a pastor I experienced the pain of a personal ministries leader there is perhaps no job in the church quite there are other very difficult jobs I'm not minimizing anything but this particular job is kind of like what do they say like pushing a rope or you know what whatever pick your analogy but the idea is that, that you just have such a difficult time getting people to be willing or interested to engage in personal ministries and in sharing the truth. You hold training events thinking that will do it. And it always seems hopeful, you know? I mean, I know how many times I've done this and how hopeful I am because I, I schedule the event. It's going to be for 2 o'clock right after potluck. And we have potluck and the place is full. And I'm thinking, praise the Lord. Everybody, this is going to be a great training. Everybody's staying after. And then about five minutes before the training is going to start, I make the announcement. Hey, just want to let everybody know about time to wrap things up because we're going to be starting in the sanctuary in just five minutes. And you know what happens next, right? The chairs start to rattle and the plates start to go and the coats get put on and the, and the hugs are given and you're like, oh, where are, they, where are they going? Oh, what's happening? And you walk into the sanctuary and those seven people, God bless them. God bless those seven people. <laughs> If we didn't have those seven people, I don't know, brother, we would have given up a long time ago. Those seven faithful people are there, and all those people who were potluck are gone. Why are there only seven people in that meeting? I'll give you my, after you know a few years of experience, my personal conviction on why there are only seven people there. It's because they... Had, have no intention of ever giving a Bible study. That's not, the, that's not where we stop. And the reason that they have no intention of ever giving a Bible study is that they do not feel that they personally are called to give a Bible study. You understand what I'm saying? That's not their gift. That's not their calling. Okay, so they're not actually, you know, many of them, and they've been helped by the confused way in which we've sometimes presented this, 
many of them are not feeling guilty about it at all. They're a little upset at the pastor for trying to make them feel guilty at times, or the personal ministries leader for trying to make them feel guilty, but they have their reasons, and they think they're biblical, that they are not, you know, everyone's different, and that's not their calling. They do not feel convicted to do that. Now, what I want to share with you is that I have never found a way to bring conviction to people other than the Word of God and the Spirit of Prophecy. Inspiration. When I'm, when I'm preaching an evangelistic series and somebody is coming and they're convicted by the Sabbath and they keep coming, but then somewhere down the line they stop coming and I go to visit them, do you know the first thing I do? I start to talk to them and then I open up the Bible and I begin to remind them of the texts, the same texts that I had gone through to rekindle the conviction. Because conviction comes from divinity, comes from God. And they have to feel it come from that divine source. And then it stirs up the conviction. The Holy Spirit uses it and it stirs up conviction. Because no one makes a decision without conviction. And that includes within the church, making a decision to do something. They need conviction. So you need Bible and Spirit of Prophecy reasons. Like, what makes you think that they're called to share their faith? What makes you think that? You need to know biblically why you think that, right? So let me give you some advice. Go to the ABC and buy yourself this book. It's called the Discipleship Handbook. And in this book, in chapter number, I think it's eight, is a chapter called called to witness okay this particular chapter takes on the tack the task with the new member who's being mentored of explaining to them how god has called them to be a witness now understand something witnessing is not a spiritual gift do you know that it's not listed you won't find it 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, it's not there. Witnessing is not a spiritual gift. Witnessing is, what do you call it? Factory equipment, amen. I call it standard equipment, but he used factory equipment. I mean, he, he took my next illustration. Praise the Lord. It is, it's standard equipment. It's not like, you know, alloy wheels or heated leather seats. It's like the steering wheel. You know what I'm saying? Witnessing is something that every disciple is called to do. Let me give you a couple of uh, biblical pictures that might explain this. One would be when Jesus was speaking to the woman at the well in John chapter 4. Do you remember that? And he offered her living water. And his incredible claim to her was that everyone who drinks this water, you drink the water out of this well and you'll thirst again, but everyone who drinks of the water that I shall give them, that water will become in them a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Now, what's the difference between going to Jacob's well and drinking the water and becoming a fountain of water? What's a fountain? 
What's a spring? It's a source of water. So when you drink the living water, it becomes in you a source of water. Okay? So the point is, everyone who drinks the living water... By the way, what is Jesus talking about when He's talking about the living water? You could say, I heard the Holy Spirit. That's true. Ultimately, you're talking about the waters of salvation. You're talking about being born again of the Holy Spirit. By the way, doesn't Ellen White say that everyone who is born of God becomes a missionary? As soon as they are born of God, they become a missionary. It, it, it springs up in the heart. Well, that's what Jesus was talking about. As soon as you drink of the living water. This is not certain people. This is everyone. Let me give you another one. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. Now let me ask you a question. When he says, follow me, what is that referring to? When we talk about follow me, we usually say people who follow Christ are disciples of Christ. So everyone who becomes a disciple of Christ, he says, he will make them become fishers of men. To be clear, what this means is that you don't have a choice. Like, I mean, I don't mean to say you don't have a choice. You, don't, you have a choice to not follow Jesus. You have a choice to not be a disciple. But if you're going to follow Jesus and be a disciple, then He's going to make you a fisher of men. That's the point. A disciple becomes a fisher of men. It's not an optional thing. It's something that is part of the process. It's not something to get upset about. It's something that's beautiful. It's putting the missionary heart of God in your heart. It's making you have the character of Christ. It's making you become like Christ. It's making you want and long for the salvation of the people around you. That's what it's talking about. So if, if the gospel and the truth of the Bible is where Christ was revealed to you and where you found salvation, what are you going to do? I mean... It's, it's not, this is something that should be a natural flow of thought. That when that is where we get our conviction and what has saved our soul, that we're going to take it to somebody, somebody else. By the way, that's what the word is for. 1 Peter 1.23 says that we're born again through the word of God. We're born again through the word of God. A witness a witness is just somebody who says what they've seen or heard, right? Like a witness in a court or whatever. They just say what they've seen or heard. Have you seen Jesus? Well, you haven't seen Him walking on, you know, whatever. But how? where have you seen Jesus? In the Word. So for you, witnessing of what you have seen, if you've seen it in the Word, if that's where, boom, Jesus' love and truth was revealed to you, then witnessing for you is telling people about the Word. And it's going to be that, you know, by the way, witnessing is not telling what you have not seen or heard. So people who get afraid, well, you know, I don't know enough or whatever, well, okay. But at the end of the day, God is only calling you to witness to what you've seen or heard. Now, you should grow and you should learn more so you can share more, what have you. But as of today, if you... Only thing you've done is watch some Landmarks of Prophecy DVDs. What's witnessing to you? 
Share some of your landmarks of prophecy DVDs. Right? You can do it. That's witnessing. It's not, it's not overly burdensome because it's gripped your heart. Now, if you're faking it and you're going to church, but the truth has never gripped your heart, then I can see why you might, you know, have nothing that you feel a burden to share. But, brothers and sisters, if the Lord has touched our hearts, then there is something we have a burden to share. And that's what witnessing is. And it's not certain special people. It's not certain special people. I remember reading in this old general conference book put out by the Lay Activities Department, this wonderful story about this woman who was super duper shy. And she didn't want to be part of anything. She was so nervous, but she felt convicted so much by the gospel and by the truth and by the Lord. And she thought, I've got to do something. And so she went to the church and she got a bunch of tracks. And she did it on her own. Came home alone, put them down on her floor and prayed over them. And she took those tracks and went to her neighbors. She didn't knock on a single door. <laughs> she just laid them out and she prayed that God would somehow bless them. Six months later, there was somebody giving a testimony who was being baptized. And they shared that it all began with a track that they found left on their door. Incredible true story in this... Uh, book a general conference you may think you know i can't do that yet i can't do that i'm not here trying to prescribe for you what to do but i'm telling you that everyone who has been born of god has a burden to lead souls into the truth and now i'm going to tell you about a responsibility that the lord has laid upon you are you ready for this this is actually a quote you can find in the Discipleship Handbook. Oh, the Discipleship Handbook. Or you can find it in the book Christian Service. I think it's on page 59. It's either 59 or 69. Oh, it's in our handout. Oh, don't you love that when that happens? On the back, the second quote. Let ministers teach church members. Do you see it? Let who? Ministers. Teach who? Church members. Church members. That in order to do what? Grow in spirituality. Okay? In order to grow spiritually, they... What's the next word? Must. Must is the next word. That's an important word. They must carry the burden that... Who has laid upon them? The Lord has laid upon them. The burden of leading souls into the truth. Not just leading them into the church, per se, but leading them into the truth. This, and this is a burden that the pastors aren't putting on anybody. This is a burden that the Lord has laid on every one of us. And He's saying, look, this is a burden. This is my burden. This is, think about it. What do you think burdens Jesus' heart? I mean, saving souls. The people you love are the same people He loves. And, and He has a burden. And He's saying, look, the only way to really grow spiritually is if you do something about that burden. And as He puts that burden on your heart, then the intention that He's giving is that you would learn how to be like God by acting on that and leading people into the beautiful truth of the Gospel. 
This is, this is not... You, you see no mention of let ministers teach church members with the gift of Bible study teaching. Let ministers teach church members with... You don't see that. This is because every disciple, every disciple is called to do this. In fact, uh, look down on this. Uh, a couple of quotes down. Um, in every church. In every church, the members should be so trained that they will devote time to the winning of souls to Christ. That's fascinating. That's talking about more than just uh, what you do at the water cooler you know, that happens to happen dynamically or organically. It's also talking about scheduling into your life. Intentionality in being active in personal ministry. Um, let's look at... Uh, let's look at... That's not the one I want. Man, that one is incredible. Okay, the second from the last one. The dissemination of the truth of God is not confined, confined to a few ordained ministers. The truth is to be scattered by all who claim to be disciples of Christ. Isn't that what we just learned? That if a disciple becomes a disciple, they are going to become a fisher of men. It's not like an optional thing. It's not certain ones. Are you seeing from inspiration that many of our church members do not realize that they are called by God to share the truth? Are you, you following it? Do you know how serious it is? We already read how serious it is because we won't grow in spirituality, which puts us at risk for our eternal destiny, by the way if we just sit on it because we can become complacent and then we can become carnal and then we could lose hold on God. But beyond that, I want you to look at this quote. One above that one that we just read. The third from the bottom. Satan is now seeking to hold God's people in a state of what? Inactivity. What kind of inactivity? She specifies. To keep them from acting their part. Now what does that mean when it says acting their part? That they have a part. What is their part? Acting their part in spreading the truth. Everyone has a part to play in spreading the truth. Why is Satan so actively doing this? That they may at last be weighed in the balance and found wanting. You see, brothers and sisters, as, as leaders and as ministers, this is an eternal issue. It's an issue that's not just about getting the commission completed, with the world, but it's an issue that has also to do with preparing the church for the coming of Jesus. And if we're complacent as a church, and if we buy into the idea that the actual spreading of the truth is only for a few, and we can be involved in non-spiritual pursuits and just go to church and what have you, but not be involved in that aspect of the mission, we will, we will be putting our own salvation at risk because because not because we didn't share the truth per se but because by not doing that you failed to grow and you be begin to have a carnal resurgence and you are at risk of falling by the wayside so i see a hand up yeah 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 isn't that something this is why, and, and, and let me tell you something, as a personal ministry leader, I learned a few things. I learned um, by experience 
Because when those seven people came out to my training, on the very next Sabbath, I had a few words to say about it to the church. I don't know if any other personal ministries leaders have ever had a few words to tell the church. It was a kind, joking, passive-aggressive lashing. Anybody ever done something like that? And it doesn't help. And there's no growth that comes from it. That's why what I'm trying to do is tell you, if you can gather the principles and teachings from the Bible and the spirit of prophecy that just make it plain and just encourage them with that. And you don't have to name call. You don't have to make whatever. You don't need to make them feel guilty. The text will make them feel guilty if they need to feel guilty. You understand? And let, let the inspiration do the heavy lifting and let the Holy Spirit do that work. And, uh, but you need to know. You need to know that every disciple of Christ is called to lead souls into the truth. Now, everybody might do it a little differently. Like I said, somebody might be like that shy woman who passed out those tracts and, and prayed over them. Somebody might be hosting a Bible study and letting people in their home. Different people are in different places. It may take time to get trained or feel adequate and all those things. But you've got to begin somewhere. And you've got to start exercising your faith and wanting to lead souls into the truth and have a burden for that. Now, we're coming to our close because I've got one minute. That was my main emphasis I wanted anyway, but I just want to show you the last two goals for every local church in the GROW uh, <clears throat> initiative. Regular evangelistic meetings. Now here in Michigan, that's not a huge issue, although it can be. Um, some churches, you know, don't like to do public evangelism except every few years or whatever. I get it, but let me tell you that Ellen White, though she says individual labor is more important, and there's a quote on your page, by the way, that actually says that. It says, if we can have one part done, let it be the individual labor. But she also says, when comparing extensive type, like public type meetings versus individual labor, when both are combined with the blessing of God, a more perfect and thorough work may be wrought. So the best thing to do is to combine individual with public proclamation. I mean, as long as we can as Seventh-day Adventists, we should regularly invite the community to hear the public proclamation of the truth. Not everyone will come. Some people are going to have to be reached in different ways. But this is an important and, and, and very vital way to help people who we've been working with to come to decisions on the truth. We win more souls currently through this method in terms of people reaching people who the Lord has been preparing some other way oftentimes than just about anything else. Um, even though oftentimes it comes through personal invitation and what have you, you'll find that this is one of the most effective ways we still have. So it doesn't do everything. That's the problem. When people say it doesn't work, yeah, because you're trying to get it to do everything. But it, is, it plays a vital role in the process. And then the last one is systematic discipleship ministry, being intentional. And what we have been using here in Michigan and what we're trying to promote is that people have a systematic process. So we use the Discipleship Handbook. Someday, probably very soon, somebody's going to come out with something that's better and more thorough. And we'll drop this like a whatever and start using it. And I'm totally serious. Our goal is to create next a Bible study handbook that will be something that you can train people to give Bible studies that you can do right after you do the Discipleship Handbook so that you are continuing 
to work with people and, and make turn them from consumers to producers. But this helps people to begin shifting to where they begin seeing themselves as being involved in making disciples themselves. That's why this is so important. Because you have to get people who are newly baptized involved in the work of God while they're still moldable and shapeable. <laughs> right? You let them get sucked up by the complacency of the church for a few years and it's hard to recapture. So when they're fresh and new, you train them, you get them activated, and the Lord will bless it. So I really encourage you. I'm telling you, I, I was telling Pastor Cameron, hey, brother, I know that you know people think old hat here in Michigan, they've seen this book for a long time, but I can almost promise you that there's a high percentage of churches who are not actually using it to disciple new members. That's my own prediction. So you've got to think, not just, oh, I'm going to you know, hand this or I'm going to... But we need a systematic process in the church to make sure that we're discipling every new member because you don't want to lose the ability to shape that, shape them into that soul-winning leader. You don't want to lose that opportunity while you have it. And that's why it's so important to, to do that right from the very finish or right from the start um, after you've finished uh, the process through harvest. So those are the five goals. Everybody have them? So you go back to your local churches, and those are the five things you're aiming for. It's simple. And the Lord will bless you. I know that He will. As you not only do personal soul winning, but as you seek to be uh, someone who ignites your local church uh, to win souls. All right, let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for this time we've had. I pray that you would bless everyone here, that they would transform their local churches through uh, their own experience of seeking after you and seeking to be a soul winner. We're told that all it takes is one individual to seek after the blessing of God and to go to work for Him in order to revive the whole church. So I pray that that will be the experience here and that the things that are learned will be able to be implemented and that the people in the local churches who receive these back will be very receptive to the ideas and to the passion that is brought uh, from coming from this camp meeting. So bless each one who's here, not only today and throughout this camp meeting, but throughout the ministry of their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.